morning, everyone. Great day to be inside and hopefully take advantage of this rainy day in some way, shape, or form. Make a good day out of a bad day. Um, today's message is burning bridges. And this year, we did change the name at the beginning of this year to for the church from uh, the name Bethesda to Bridges, the bridge. And uh, all year long, we've done several different messages here and there throughout the year. Uh, and bridge, the term bridge being in the title of the message and to speak to different things and just allow us to uh, hear the term over and over enough that maybe we get used to it. Um, a lot of good things has happened this year, even in the midst of chaos and turmoil and everything else that's going on. Uh, God is still moving. Amen. God is still in control. Uh, when adversity comes, he gives us opportunities to prove our character and what we're doing. So we have to decide how we're going to live this life to the best case possible not saying that perfection has hit anybody in this room because there is none perfect except God so when we make mistakes when we come up short when we fail God he does not abandon us there's a couple people believe that I say when we fail God he does not abandon us he does not burn the bridge, throw the match, and walk away and say, I'm never crossing that again. We serve a God that comes back to us hundreds upon hundreds of times and chases us down and follows us and seeks us out to try to find us where we're at. So when we talk about burning bridges, that's on us. That's not on God. And the term burning bridges is something that I wanted to look up to kind of look through and find out where the term comes from or what it's about. And the term, the phrase, burning your bridges, comes from a military strategy during ancient times where troops were ordered to burn down the bridge after crossing a river so that they wouldn't retreat and that the enemy wouldn't be able to follow them easily. So the term itself is something to say that when you burn a bridge, during a occupation or a war, you're preventing your troops from backing up and going the wrong way. And you're preventing your enemy from getting to you. So in saying that for us, how many knows we're in a fight? Amen. It's a battle on a daily basis to try to keep our sanity Amen? To try to keep our religion, to try to keep living. Amen? It's tough, this life that we're in, and it's a war. It's a battle. And Apostle Paul talked about fighting the good fight of faith and pursuing God and racing the race and doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. But I want you to know this, that bridges are like opportunities. And they're meant to connect two places. 
so that you can take advantage of the opportunity of crossing over from one place to another. However, as we grow in Christ, we should become wiser. Amen. There should be some wisdom that comes with our age. Then we're not living the same thing and doing the same things over on repeat and going through Groundhog Day like the movie. Let's wake up to a new day. Let's go on and fight another fight. Let's go to a new place and let's go to where God calls us. We should never want to go and return to our sinful state. And we need to decide to burn that bridge forever. And I'm not saying this is easy. The Apostle Paul said, O wretched man that I am, in Romans. He talked about how that he knew to do things right, and he knew what was right, and he had a conscience, but he would do wrong things. The bridge to sin, if you burn it today, the enemy will come tomorrow and try to build a bridge behind you so that you'll back up. He wants to make a path for you to go in reverse and not forward. So we can burn them every day. And that's where the Apostle Paul said that I die daily. Amen. I wake up in the morning. I get ready. And I pray a prayer and I say, God, let this be a good day. God, let me be good to somebody today. Let me do good things today. Let me be a representative of you today. Let me be one of your ambassadors today. And before you get out of the door, the kids will have you mad. Amen. Amy's sitting there laughing. Must be at her house. Come on, parents. They got you mad. They won't get in the shower. They won't brush their teeth. They won't comb their hair. They won't do anything. Joe, don't still have you. Your kids are older. They should know better. They still do it. Amen. This sinful state that we are in and this sin-filled world that we're living in is a world that always has opportunities for us to return to the place that God has called us from. Amen. The enemy wants you to fail. His desire for you is to kill, steal, and destroy. His sole purpose is that. To make sure that the mission that God has placed you on. And there's people in this room that God has called you and destined you to do great things for his kingdom. And the enemy wants you to fail. He wants you to back up. He wants you to give up and say, well, that's just too hard. And why does God let this happen? And I'm going to back up. I just quit. I'm over it. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm burning the bridge to my Christianity. But if we got a steadfast mind and an unmovable spirit that we got it within us, a determination that says, I'm going to make heaven my home. I am going to go to heaven. I'm not backing up. God, I'm coming for you. And no matter what the enemy throws at me, I'm heading in your direction, God. And the more steadfast we are, the better off we'll be. So about burning the bridge to sin, there's one thing in the Old Testament, a, a, a set of verses in 1 Kings chapter 19, that's the verses that I think of when we're talking about burning something of our past. 1 Kings 19 verse 19 said, So Elijah went and found Elisha the son of Shephat plowing the field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. So there's all kinds of people out here. He's just one of 12. 
12 different teams out here plowing. And Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. <laughs> Walk away. Elisha left the auction standing there and ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen, slaughtered them, and used the wood from the plow to build a fire and roast their flesh. He passed around to meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Put this story in a little bit of context. Elijah the prophet was the prophet of God that we know that called down fire from heaven. Elijah did, performed all these miracles, all these different things, and this was a time of great adversity. The Jezebel, the wife of the king at the time, Ahab, and Elijah was this man in opposition. He was doing God's work during a season and period in history of time where that the, the leaders of the world were not doing godly things. But he chose to follow God even in the midst of a mess. Even in the midst of everything going wrong. Even in the midst of where everybody was doing wrong things. These people, the children of Israel, building false idols. They were building these places on top of the hills to worship other gods. And everybody was going on their own path doing their own thing. But Elijah, the prophet of God, called of God, did the right thing in the right time to prove that God still exists. So what are we going to do, Christians? What are we going to do, bridge people, whenever we're in the midst of a, of a congregation of people out here in the community that we're living in that are doing ungodly things, that are following ungodly idols, that are doing things and serving all these masters? What are we going to do? Who are we going to be? Who are we going to represent? You see, Elijah did this. But there was times that Elijah would become scared. He would operate in fear. And we know the stories from Elijah's life. And you can go back and read the, the book of Kings. It's awesome. You need to read through that. If you've never read the Old Testament in that, go back and read the book of Kings. It's a great story. Elijah gets scared one time because Jezebel's going to come and get him. She promised she would. She would kill him. And he runs away and is scared. And sometimes we retreat like that in our life. During opposition and where we know that people out there are the enemies of our soul. That they are operating under a kingdom operated by the devil. We become fearful because what will they do to me? Elijah dealt with this. He was a great prophet. He, he done great exploits and all kinds of great things happened during Elijah's ministry. But during the end, he was getting to the end of his term and he knew that you know, I want this to carry on. I want the next generation to know the God that I know. Amen? I want the next generation to hear about this God that I'm serving. So Elijah didn't just go off and say, well, I'm just going to go up in this chariot of fire and I ain't going to worry about it anymore. So God tells Elijah to go find Elisha, this guy. And whenever he goes and he throws his cloak on him, symbolic of the mantle that I'm wearing in the kingdom of God. I'm going to place upon this person. So it's an anointing type thing. 
And we know through the New Testament that people are anointed. And I believe in laying on of hands. Amen. I believe in praying a prayer of faith. It's, it's, it's biblical through and through, and you can read about it. It's in Hebrews that it talks about the, the process of laying on of hands, and it's in, in James that he talks about praying and laying on the hands of people that's sick, and, and there's all kinds of places about laying on of hands. Paul even told Timothy in the book of Timothy that, Timothy, stir up the gifts that was in you, that was play, placed in you by the laying on of hands of the prophets of God. So I believe even in the age we're living in that an anointing can flow from one person to another. Amen? How many believes that God's that big? Amen? And sometimes it don't even have to be transferred by touching. I believe God can do it through a piece of material like a cloak, just like in this story. That's why I believe in prayer cloths. That's why I believe whenever somebody's sick and afflicted and going through some things that we should get prayer cloths and they're laying up here right now and we have oil here and we'll anoint them and people will take them and lay upon the sick. Because it says in Acts that Paul, the apostle, they took handkerchiefs and aprons from his body and took them placed upon the sick and they were healed. So a transference of the anointing can happen through whatever method and whatever means God wants. And in this New Testament age and era that we're living in, I believe that we can pray an anointing today to fall upon missionaries around the world. Amen. Our missionaries that we're paying money to, and yes, we give them the resources they need, but more than money, more than anything else they need, they need the anointing of God that will break the yoke of bondage upon people that are living in a region that don't know God. So we can pray today for anointing to fall in Japan with the Siankos, amen, and the anointing can fall there. God knows no distance. The earth is his and the fullness thereof. So this anointing that Elijah is walking through here and he throws his cloak and it falls upon Elisha because that's what God told him to do. Are you doing what God asked you to do? Are you praying for who God told you to pray for? Are you anointing other people the way God told you to? You see, an anointing is just not about ministry from a pulpit. In the New Testament, everybody's anointed. I can't hear you. I said in the New Testament, everybody's anointed. There's not a high priest. We have one high priest now, and he's not earthly. He's sitting up on the throne in heaven and he's our one and eternal high priest. We don't have to kill bulls and goats and do all these other deeds anymore that was in the Old Testament. Why? Because the one high priest is Jesus Christ. And he's ruling over our life. And it's not about a one-man band anymore. He anointed everybody to go and do what? Preach the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus. He said, go ye into all the world, preach this gospel of the kingdom. Amen. He promised every one of us to go and baptize other people. That's why as a pastor of this church that I love, whenever somebody helps somebody become to the point of salvation and they help them get saved and they, they bring them to church and they invite them and next thing you know their friend gets saved, who should be the one in the water with that person other than the person that was involved in their ministry of, of allowing them to come to know Jesus? Jesus said one time, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of y'all. Paul, Paul said it too, I'm glad I didn't baptize anybody either. As pastor, I hope I never get to baptize anybody else. 
I hope we're so anointed as a congregation of the bridge people that whenever you come to a point of ministry that you know you're anointed, you know you're appointed, you know you have the gifts of the kingdom, and you know that you have the ability to go take somebody to a hole of water somewhere and put them underneath and bring them up and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's not my job. That's all of our job. Jesus said, go into the world and baptize. He didn't say, go, you preachers. He didn't say, go, you pastors. Go just the disciples. You're the only ones that gifted and entitled to be able to baptize somebody. He said, go, everybody. You're all called. You're all anointed. You're all appointed by God to do great things. So Elijah throws this anointing on Elisha. Elisha's there, and he's, he's got all his reservations, right? He's thinking about this. He says, well, I, I, Elijah, I want to follow you. I, I, I want to go be the prophet that I'm supposed to be. I know I'm called, but guess what? I, I'm going to back up, and, and I need to go talk to Mom, and I need to go talk to Dad, and I need to go get some opinions, and I need to put out a few polls on Facebook, and I, I need to do this, need to do that, find out if I'm really supposed to go. How long will you halter between two opinions? How long will you think about it and determine and say, well, next week? I know whenever I was a teenager and mom and dad would drag me to church that I would go every week and we'd go on Sunday night and we'd go there and I'd listen to singing. I loved it. It was old school type songs and stuff, but I loved it out of the hymnal. I, I loved that. I would hear preaching. I would hear altar calls and I'd sit there and think, Every week I would sit there on that chair or on that pew. It was pews back then. We got chairs now. It's kind of different. Change is good. Amen. I sat on some hard pews in my day. You got some awful good seats here, and that's a good thing. Amen. Change is good. I'd sit there and I'd stand up and stand right beside my grandpa, and I'd think, wherever you you can sense and know when God's drawing you. You know when He's calling you. The Bible says nobody can come unless the Father draws them. The Spirit of God will draw us and woo us to Him. So I'm standing there, and the preacher preaching. He's giving an altar call. Come, you know, and they'll sing, Just as I am without one place. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, just as I am, I don't want to be like this anymore. Amen? But I wouldn't go. Why? Fear. Yeah, those ten little... Old ladies, Geneva, and all those in, in the congregation there, they would have laughed at me if I walked up that aisle. Hogwash. But that's what goes through our mind. <laughs> all right, amen. We're sitting there and we're thinking, well, I want to give my life to God, but I don't know. I look over and I see these Christians, they're a bunch of fuddy-duddies, right? I don't want to be a fuddy-duddy. Being a Christian is not a bad thing, amen. Smile every now and then. Be an example for God out there in your community. Walk around with gloom and doom all over your face. But these old people, they love God. And they were good people. They had a good time. My grandpa, he would give change in the, in the offering plate. And it was one of those old metal offering plates. You ever seen those? The old really big offering plates? So he'd bring change every week. He wouldn't bring dollars. He would bring change. And he'd get a big handful out. And whenever they come around with the offering plate, he would hold it real high above it. Clank, 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 just make the biggest noise he could, and he'd look over and just smile real big. A little Miss Geneva I was talking about a minute ago. Awesome lady, awesome, awesome lady of God. Geneva Gilbert, I think was her name. Lived down in Lower Garrison. Um, 
one week she took home the offering plates and she crocheted <laughs> an entire covering <laughs> over the whole offering plate. <laughs> she was awesome. It's Coon Gilbert's mom, if you know Coon. Awesome lady. But I didn't go. Never one time in that church did I stand up and take that walk of salvation as a teenager because I thought I wanted to do other things. And that, that path led me down a path at the age of 17 to end up in the bottom of a cistern without breath in my lungs. And if it had not been for God, I'd be burning in hell right now. If it had not been for God. Aunt Mary's the one that breathes life back into me because God told her what to do. Let me tell you something. Don't ever put off to tomorrow what you need to take care of today. Because every time you put it off to tomorrow, you're burning a bridge and saying, I'm not crossing. You're burning it in front of you, not behind you. So Elisha, he goes and he gets this two oxen that his dad has probably gave to him, and he's, he's out there and he kills them. Right? Then, it, then he takes the plow. I don't know how big a plow this was, but it must have been a dandy. He, he builds an altar and a big fire with his plow and cooks these oxen that he has. And he gives the meat to everybody else. It's kind of crazy, really, that he, he goes through this process and he does it and he burns something. And what he was doing was burning what he knew to do that he'd always done. He was burning his past in order to preserve his future. Because if he would have left them oxen alive, and if he would have left that plow sitting there that day, he would have always had an opportunity going back in his mind saying, I've got something to go back to. And as Christians, we have to be very careful of this. That if we leave anything in our past, an open door or an open place or something that we want to hang on to and say, well, I'll just hold on to that in case I ever leave God, I'll have something to come back to. You better burn that bridge. Amen. Amen. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, you better burn that bridge. Burn that one. Amen. That'd be a good one to burn. I'm not going back. Amen. I'm not going back there. Why? Because I've got a made-up mind that I gave my life to Jesus, and I didn't give him part of it. I gave him all of it. I gave him my future. I gave him my hurt. I gave him my pain. I gave him everything that I had, which was nothing to gain the whole world. That God has given me. Sometimes burning a bridge isn't a bad thing. It prevents you from going back to a place you should never have to have been to begin with. That's an anonymous quote. Respect yourself enough to walk away from anything that no longer serves you, grows you, or makes you happy. There's all kinds of quotes out there on burning bridges. You can look them up. But in general terms of burning bridges, people say it's don't burn bridges. They'll talk about it in in job placement, right? If you if you got an occupation or you got a job that you're at, and they'll tell you don't burn bridges, right? 
Anybody ever heard that? Don't burn bridges. It's kind of a term that's saying, you never know, you might have to cross over and go back there again. Does anybody ever burn a bridge in a job? Well, ain't a lot of people real proud of it, apparently. <laughs> you guys are lying. <laughs> I burn a few bridges in occupations, and I know that they'll never hire me back. <laughs> Amen? Maybe you guys have just always had the perfect boss and just, oh, it's so glorious and wonderful, and they just treated me so well, and they overpaid me, and I had way too many benefits, and it was just everything that I could dream of a job. But I walked away just to go over to this other place just because I didn't feel really it met my needs anymore. and It was just so glorious over there, though. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go on and believe that. You ain't going to preach that sermon to me. I'm not believing it. Surely nobody in this room has ever looked at a boss across the table and said, well, I tell you what right now, old homie. I'm walking on out of here, and I ain't coming back. It's kind of like Johnny Paycheck, right? Take his job and shove it. I ain't a worker in here no more. You know you've sung that song, walking out of a job before. <laughs> Don't you all look at me like I'm the only one. Been there, done that. I did it at Glockner's. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. Wow. Went down there and I told that boss I need a pay raise. <laughs> you guys never done this, I know. I, I thought I was worth more than I was, but whatever. I was 19 year old and knew it all. Walked down there and looked at him, I guess. I think I need a raise. He's sitting there at the calculator and his big fancy shirt on. I was greased from head to toe. <laughs> With the rattling numbers. I sit there and think, man, he's going to calculate how much I've made him. <laughs> and he looked over at me, Eric, and he said, well, I think we're paying you about all you're worth. <laughs> Isn't that just the truth hit you right in the face? It's like, what? I'm working 60 hours a week here, man. Come on. Every two weeks I'm getting to take home a 40-hour paycheck for working 60 hours? Are you kidding me? So I felt like I was some mortal, moral fortitude type of person. So I should have just walked away right then. I should have burnt the bridge, burned his desk, and <laughs> burned it all, you know. I thought, well, I'm going to take the high road here. Yeah, right, that's really the high road, the way I did it. I said, I tell you what. I'll finish the truck I'm working on right now, and I'm loading my toolbox tonight, and I'll never be back here again. 19-year-old punk. That's who I was. He looked at me, and he's like, okay. And guess what? I thought, that they'll never be able to operate. No other truck will get fixed. They'll have to shut the tr truck shop down. They ain't going to be able to fix another truck. So I, I did. I fixed that truck I was working on that day, and Loaded up my toolbox and drove out of there at night, locked the gate and stayed late and had to do it. Guess what? Next morning, that door's still open, and you can go up there today and they're still working on trucks. <laughs> you think you're indispensable. You think that they won't carry on and be able to operate without you, but guess what? We're not all that the bag of chips that we think we are. I've never seen Gus since. Probably a good thing, right? Maybe God will build me a bridge sometime and get us seen. 
and they use that term, don't burn bridges, because as Christians, I'm telling you to burn bridges to sin. But I'm going to edify you and call you to not burn bridges with people. Romans 12, 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse them. You know how hard that is? You ever took a good cussing? I've took a good cussing before. I don't like it. Somebody, I tell people all the time, because I, I, they'll, they'll come up to me, oh, you're a preacher. Well, I, I don't want to cuss around you. I said, as long as you don't make me cuss, I'm good. Cuss all you want to. I, I hope you don't. I hope you turn better. But guess what? I ain't, don't, don't be something around me that you're not around everybody else. Just because I'm a preacher don't mean you can't cuss around me. I said, just don't, don't make me cuss. Everything will be good. And a lot of people take these kind of scriptures here to talk about cussing, and we shouldn't cuss. As Christians, come on, somebody. And cussing is, there are some bad terms out there, and I'm not going to say them here for you today. You know what they are. And the second you say them, you know what they are, because you're like, ah, I shouldn't have said that. It's called your conscience. God in you calling you out to not be like you used to be. There's all kinds of scriptures about that. Don't let any babbling come out of your mouth and profane things, and it's in Galatians, and there, there's different verses out there to tell you that. But sometimes we think cussing is cursing. And I know a lot of Christians that don't cuss, but they curse. And it's two different things. Somebody say Amen. You might have the most holy tongue there is. It's not saying the four-letter words and not doing all those things. But then you'll walk around and you'll curse people because they didn't treat you right. So what does that mean for a Christian? Paul's calling them out. The Roman people had become Christians. He's writing a letter back to the church and he's telling them, bless those who persecute you. And the Romans persecuted the Christians. They killed them. They burned them at the stake. They pulled them in two with horses. They sawed them in two with saws. And the Apostle Paul is telling them, bless them. Has anybody ever blessed anybody? And I don't mean it like this. Whenever somebody does your own, you say, well, just bless your little pee-picking heart. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about speaking blessings over them even though they cursed you. Amen? That we don't render evil for evil. Jesus said you turned it eye for an eye, but I say unto you, forgive. I say unto you, let it go. I say unto you, be a different person, a better person. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony, harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. I love this verse, verse 18. I quote it all the time here at church, and it's probably once you get sick of hearing, but it's truth either way. If possible, everybody say if possible. So far as it depends on you, 
live peaceably with all. I love this verse, Ernie, because sometimes it's just not possible. Come on, somebody. It says live peaceably with all people if it be possible. Sometimes it's just not possible. You know there's some people you don't need to hang out with? Come on, somebody. Whenever I got saved, I had to walk away. I had to, I had to give up on some really close friends that I had, and I had to go out and go. And God took me to a complete different county to get me away from the mess I was in here. And sometimes there's a walk away where that he p- pulls you out for a while and a season and takes you to a place to show you a new place. But guess what? I wanted to say, always, I don't want to go back to Lewis County. I can't wait to turn 18, Jodon, so I can graduate, and I'm going to move on out of here. I'm going to burn the bridge, and I ain't coming back. And I did that. I lived in Raceland. I, I, I had a good life. I had, until I met Leslie, but, I mean, everything was pretty good. Wrap it up, wrap it up. Wrap it up. I, I, it's coming to a close here. We're getting close. Everything was good. Next thing you know, me and Leslie's looking, all, we're just in love, or she's in love with me and all that, and this, all that. And, and you know, and, and God calls and he says, okay, you're going to go pastor a church. And I went to Pastor Wales and I said, Pastor Wales, I feel like I'm called to church, pastor church. And, and at that time, this church building that you're sitting in right now didn't have a pastor. And I went to Pastor Wales and I said, can I go there? And he said, you're not going there. Okay. That's what I said, okay. You know why? Because my pastor, I went to him for advice and he told me advice and I said, Okay. And I'm still the same way today. If I call Pastor Wells, you can ask Dusty and Alby and, and Ryan Elizabeth and them, whenever I call Pastor Wells and he tells me something, I'm going to write it down. That's it. You've got to have somebody that you can go to that you trust, but to be the conduit from God. Sometimes if you don't hear from God, you better have somebody that you have that is a covering over you in ministry. And I went to Pastor Wells and he said, no. I said, okay. Walked back out. It was several months later. We was there and we... Pastor, I still feel like I'm supposed to pastor someday. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He'll open the door, yeah. Be good. Next thing you know, they sent us that open church list, and, and we, I went to him, and I said, there's a church down in, in Middlesboro, Kentucky, that, that is open and don't have a pastor. And, and me and Leslie would like to drive down and look at it. And we drove down and looked at it, and he said, That's, that sounds good. Sounds good. Had a big send-off for us. They, I think he was glad to get rid of us, but, you know, he, he prayed for us and sent us off and had a great time at the church up at Raceland. We ended up in Middlesboro. Stayed there for several years doing ministry, pastoring the church. We walked in. They had $136 in the bank and $2,000 worth of debt a month with eight people sitting in a congregation that would hold probably 350 people. Building. It's empty. Saw God do great things. Next thing you know, we felt like that the call of ministry was released off of that from us. We resigned from that. We stayed there another year. Next thing you know, Sister Betty, wouldn't you leave it to Sister Betty? She calls. Pastor Ben? I said, yeah, Betty, what's up? Is you're going to hear the truth. And you don't have to worry about, well, I wonder if she's holding back. She ain't holding back. Right, Mom? Betty don't hold back. I think she's got a gift of prophecy on her about that, and that's just what I think. 
She called me. She said, Bethesda don't have a pastor. I was like, cool. Sounds good. Pastor Wells told me not to go there. <laughs> right? Pastor Wells was a presbyter over this region then. So I called Pastor Wells, and I said, well, Betty called and said, Bethesda don't have a pastor. I said, what, what do you think, Pastor? Well, just go up there Sunday and preach. They'll need to fill in. So me and Leslie drive up here. It's 242 miles away. It's a long way. We was on the Tennessee border. We drove up here, preached a sermon, went back home, thinking, well, that was fun. Got to preach an old church where I was youth pastor one time, and mom helped plant this church. And My name's wrote on the floor right here on the concrete underneath of this carpet. Get home, Pastor Wells called me. He said, well, you're going back next weekend. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. Need you to go back there and preach again. I said, okay, sounds good. Drive back up here again, 242 miles. Meet with the board. Pastor Joe Girdler calls us and says, you're being appointed as pastor at Bethesda in Vanceburg. And I'm thinking, I do not want to go here. Amen. I'd burnt that bridge, Ernie. I said, I, I don't want nothing to do with Lewis County. They didn't want nothing to do with me. I don't want nothing to do with that. Let me tell you something. God can build, rebuild a bridge that you burnt. I'm so glad now that God saw fit to say, I know you don't want to, but I'm telling you to. Amen. And let me tell you this, when you obey God, Amen. you'll never walk away sorrowful. Amen. And he'll bring you joy that supersedes anything you can imagine or dream. And there's no place in the world I'd rather be right now today than standing right here doing what, I, what I'm doing. Because he's got and he's brought a love for Lewis County back to me. And what I thought I hated, he showed me that there's more love in this town. There's more love in this county than what most other people ever experience in life. And I'm calling you today. If you've burnt the bridge to this place, and teenagers, listen to me. You may think you want to get out of here. Don't abandon what God has given you. Some anonymous quote found on the internet says this don't burn bridges you'll be surprised how many times you have to cross the same river don't burn bridges because you'll be surprised at how many times you'll cross the same river if you want to burn any bridge burn the bridge to sin if you want to do anything about bridges build them amen build bridges to meet people where they are Jesus did this. He built a bridge to the woman at the well in Samaria. He built a bridge to the man at the pool of Bethesda. He built a bridge to Nicodemus in the middle of the night. 
People always ask me out on the street today after we named this church and renamed this church to the bridge. They ask me, why, why'd you go, why would you go with the name bridge? And I always try to explain it this way. So if you get asked the same question, I'm sure you do. If they ask me, they'll ask you. I always tell them that I want to be a church that connects. That's what bridges do. Bridges connect things. And I want to be a group of people here at the bridge that connects the old to the young, the rich to the poor, the black to the white, the healthy to the sick, the saved to the sinner. And the more building we do, the better off we'll be. Amen. This needs to be a place that whenever somebody's walking in sin and maybe they're going off and doing their own things, Dusty, that they got a right to come in here and sit down right beside the most saint, holy person. Amen. It's an open door policy. Come on in. We're not going to burn bridges. We're going to build them. And we're going to be a church that connects. And I ask you and I implore you to do just that. Begin to build and not burn. Burn the bridge to sin all you want. I, I ask you to do that. But build it to everybody else. A great leader that I know through the 60s, 70s, and 80s, he's, he passed away in 1997, but he said anyone can tear something down, but only a skilled craftsman can build something marvelous. It's easy to tear stuff down. And we can tear them sinners down and just pick them apart and pick out everything they're doing wrong and just put all the blame and curse and do all that stuff. But the Bible tells us to bless. And that means the sinner too. Amen. I speak blessings over our church and people, but guess what? We need to bless those even out there that are walking away from God. We'll bless them in, in, anyway. Amen. The more blessing we receive, the better off we'll be. Anyone can tear something down. Stop burning bridges because it tears things down. Let's see if you'll play something. I'll quit. If you would, just bow your head and close your eyes, if you will, and take this moment just to reflect upon this message and maybe what the Holy Spirit is saying to you through this message. Maybe there's people in here that is struggling with some area of your life and maybe God's been dealing with you about it for some time now. About some sin that you seem that it's just repetitive that it's just something that you want to walk away from and you've tried to defeat it you've tried to do everything in your power and you'll wake up one day and say I'll never do that again just to find out a few short days later that you fall right back in the same trap and today this message spoke to you to say Burn the bridge to that sin. 
so that you never have to cross it again. And there's some things I want to tell you that you can't do alone. There's some sins that are so extreme, that are so entangled, that are so ensnared in your life. You can work on holiness all you want. You can work on sanctification and you can, you can do things out of your own power. help you with a lot of things to become better you can bless and not curse that's something that's an option that you can take but I'm talking about sins that separate you from God it takes him to do something with those so today I'm asking you to just look up at God and say you know what God I want to burn this bridge to sin but I don't have no match I can't do it. I'm here to tell you today that he will give you the match to burn that bridge. And the match is his son, Jesus. He's the one that hung on a cross that come to do away with sin. His blood was the only thing that satisfied that turned the curse to a blessing. So today, if you're dealing with sin, you have to have Jesus to separate you from that past. I don't want anybody looking around. Nobody wondering what their neighbor's thinking. This is about you. Is there anybody here that say, Pastor, that's me? God wants me to do away with some things and to walk away from that part of my past and give it up. And I'm ready to allow that to happen today. I need Jesus to clean me from the inside out. Is there anybody here to say that's me? Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? I'm ready to walk away. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? There's others. You need to just raise your hand and say it's me. Amen. Amen. Hands everywhere. That's awesome. Jesus is enough. And there's others in here. And you can be part of both of these. But you're saying, Pastor, this message spoke to me today and it's telling me that I've burnt some bridges that I shouldn't have burned. I need some restoration to some people in my life that I've cursed when I should have blessed. Is anybody here that that's you, that you're saying, I want God to help me build bridges and quit tearing down? Is anybody here? Thank you for those hands. Amen. Amen. Those hands are everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. I want everybody here to just repeat this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sins. Help me, lead me, guide me to be a blessing and not a curse. Help me to build bridges 
to repair relationships that I've burnt bridges to. God, I want to make heaven my home in eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.